Welcome back to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I am Mikey. And we are back with our post-Twin Peaks Lynch deep dive. Today, Lynch and Frost. We've now Lynch covered. and Frost deep dive. Thank you, Michael. Uh, today we watched the 1997 <coughs> movie Lost Highway, which mm-hmm. is a David Lynch uh, directed film, co-written by David Lynch and Barry Gifford. Do you know anything about Barry Gifford? He also co-wrote Wild at Heart. Aha. Uh-huh. So anything you want to say before we get started? I, I mean, I love this movie. I really love it. I, this, this is getting back to Eraserhead's, you know, <coughs> Eraserhead style David Lynch. It's, mm-hmm. it's dark. It's industrial. It's, mm-hmm. it's not just weird and stuff like the way, or like this, he there's it <clears throat> everything you know your twin peaks your blue velvets your wild at heart has this like quirky and silliness mm-hmm. that butts up against the dark mm-hmm. and this movie is just fucking dark no and ser- industrial no and just gritty mm-hmm. and fucking hard and it there's it's never broken up like there's I, I think the closest thing he does to that is casting small characters by, like, Richard Pryor. Why the fuck is Richard yeah. Pryor in this movie? Yeah. Like, putting, you know, Jack Nance in it in, in a meaningless part for the mm-hmm. most part. Like, those kinds of things were are the lightest this movie ever gets. Right. Which right. I I dig. I, I think it's interesting. But it, but it <clears throat> felt still, like, watchable being dark like the yeah because like, oh, yeah. I, I i compare it to maybe like the movie mother that like is pretty unrelentingly dark but like it's harder and harder and harder to deal with whereas this i thought like it was it did advance and things but i it didn't get to the point where i was like i cannot bring myself it, to watch well, this it's, it's interesting because you can watch this whole like and now this i've seen this movie three or four or five times maybe i maybe more i don't know it's one of the ones I've seen more than a lot of the others. This is your first. You watched a little bit of this and fell asleep once before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, the first time you're watching this, it's very, very easy to be just like, what the, what the fuck is actually happening? Mm-hmm. Like I'm watching a movie and I'm like, oh, I'm starting to get really into this mystery videotapes. Yeah. Oh my god, maybe he killed his. Wait, where'd he go? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you just got ri- like. Wait, what? What? That's what and, I meant when I said it feels right. like two movies. It, it feels like, but also, you know, I mean, it all loosely and it's dream obviously way, it's all one movie. Sure, but, but I know, and I know what you mean. Good. But like, it's yeah, it's just so. It, it they they tether it though. There's it's it's not a movie where you go, what the fuck has even happening? I don't care and tune out. Mm-hmm. It's what the fuck is happening. I gotta know. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you give us an hour of this guy and then cut him out of the movie? He's got to come back, right? Like, how is this all going to tie together? Mm-hmm. Like, they, they've given you, they built up enough groundwork to make you interested in all of it, mm-hmm. which I think is, is very, very well done. Uh, so the movie starts with Fred Madison, played by uh, President... <laughs> Uh, President Bill Pullman. Um, he is a jazz saxophonist. Based oh, opens in too on the LA. Uh, uh, the shot that's used many many times throughout this and all of David Lynch's career. But the 
the highway shot, mm-hmm. which it's hidden behind credits and stuff, but it's credit to Lynch and specifically Peter Deming, who's the director of photography, also did all the season three Twin Peaks. He's, they work together a lot, but it's a gorgeous shot mm-hmm. of like to black out everything but just the road, just the headlights. You don't even see like reflectors on the side. It's mm-hmm. really, really well done. And it feels like it's, 50 miles in a straight line yeah. which I'm sure it is and uh, yeah it's not uncommon that they may have looped it or whatever sure. you can you can there's plenty of places out west yeah. that you can you can go in a straight line for that's exactly it there's no curve in that road yeah. at all um so uh, we meet Fred uh Fred Madison he receives a message on his house intercom Dick Laurent is dead um, and then the next morning, his wife, uh, Renee, played by... I, before they get to the next morning, I something I love about this that I really liked was the surprise daylight, which is, it, it opens with, like, him him in, like, red, close up, mm-hmm. lighting a cigarette. Like, it's dark. He's in this room. It's it's really dark by the buzzer intercom. Dick Laurent is dead. Mm-hmm. And it goes, and then he steps around the corner, and you're like, oh, shit, it's morning. Mm-hmm. Like it just feels like okay, we're in a dark place. This is going to be a dark movie. Somebody buzz this. This is the middle of the night, and he steps around the corner, and it's just like beaming in sunlight from those windows. And from we that just window. spent ten minutes or you whatever know, right dark, in this dark, high, dark like, highway. It, it's it's a it's a really interesting surprise that mm-hmm. he steps around that corner, and like like just the darkness hidden within all the light. Mm-hmm. I, I just is a really interesting concept. I think. Yeah. Uh, so the morning after that, um, his wife, uh, Renee, played by Patricia Arquette, who I thought was very good. Very good. Um, gorgeous in mm-hmm. this movie. She's really great. Um, she finds a VHS tape on their porch in just like a yellow manila envelope. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has a an unmarked VHS tape. Um, no, there's no note in the, in the uh, package or anything. Um, and so they look at it and it's a sort of panning shot of their house. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, her response was, I was probably a realtor, which like the most looming and horrifying realtor of all time. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. It's like the sideshow, if sideshow Bob went into realty, it's just like <laughs> vaguely threatening tapes. Yeah. It's, but it, I mean, it's again, the, the lengths people go to, to justify shit. Oh, sure. Like yeah. it's, it's terrifying and creepy, but, I'm sure oh, I'm, I'm sure it's nothing. Yeah. Like, it's probably just this or something, right. you know? Um, so they have sex, and then Fred tells her that he had a dream about somebody resembling her being attacked. Um, I, and I don't know that they actually get to have sex. Oh, did they not? Like, they, they look like they're going to, but then he gets... It's a really awkward scene, and then... She does the thing where she taps him on the shoulder and she's like, it's okay. It's okay. Oh, and he yeah. looks really disturbed and lays back down as though he couldn't get it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, you know, this, this movie is about toxic masculinity. Huh, okay. Uh, if, if you didn't see that lens, but like this guy is like, it's all about his fucking like, Ownership, like his controlling stakes in her. Uh-huh. It's about his, like he couldn't get it up and he's filled with rage because of it huh. as though it's fucking somehow her fault. You know what I mean? Like 
There's, there's a yeah. That's the first time like, a guy has blamed a woman for not being able to get bef- it up. Bo- yeah. Before we go too far into plot discussion and stuff like that, I want to get your overarching idea. Do you have a nutshell idea of what happens in this movie? Like, is I mean, I all things considered, I found it easy to follow with a big asterisk there, like. I got what was happening. Like, they were being, you know, in the first half, they were, like, being stalked, and then there was, like, supernatural element. Like, I didn't understand what was happening, but I mm-hmm. got what was going on, if that makes sense. Within the world of the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then when kind of the switch that happened mid, um, mid-movie, mid when, when Bill Pullman turned into... Balthazar Getty. Yeah, Balthazar Getty, which Mikey told me that actor's name and I was like it's really weird to make fun of me in our own home um <laughs> but uh the second half I found a little harder to follow which I don't think is my fault necessarily I think it was pur- purposely a little sure. more obtuse um but but yeah, like I think I got what was going on. Like I never felt utterly lost. I never, I never looked at the screen and thought like, who, the, who the fuck are these people and sure. what are they trying to do? Which sure. is what happens sometimes with like. like do you see? Because I don't think. What like what do you think? Do you have a basic explanation for what happens in that prison cell? Mm-mm. Okay. Mm. Then, then I'll no, like no, I no. have my idea, like interpretation. Right. I don't want to call them theories. I don't want to call them, you know, answers. Right. But I have my, you know, yeah. how this all makes sense to me. And I think there's a lot of dialogue that's like that. That line about I don't have a video camera. I don't like video cameras. I choose to remember things, which to me, how was... I remember them, not how they ha- not necessarily how they happened. I think is. A pivotal line and a key to understanding this movie. Oh, sure. Um, like, like the Robert that whole Robert Blake character. Mm, wait, Robert Blake was um, the, the guy with the white the, face. The, yeah, the creepy, uh-huh. the creepy guy. Uh, I don't think he's real at all. I don't think he exists. Yeah, tracks. I he's in. So I think my my overall assert, you know. You know Assertion, assessment, assessment. My idea, summation. Yeah, um, is basically that a yes, he did kill his wife, mm-hmm. and then racked with like guilt and anger and rage and everything about that, it fractures his psyche, almost in the same way Cooper entering the lodge at the end of season two, mm-hmm. where he kind of splits into two sure. things and. It is the emotional whatever behind it all, or like what forces that to happen, mm-hmm. splinters so far that he actually takes the body of another human. Okay, I think and, that's interesting. And I like in 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 the dream logic way of like none of this is really happening, but mm-hmm. you just believe it as true. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it isn't like. Ooh, magic happened, and he right. became this guy. It's just straight up like, okay, I'm this guy now, right? Moving, and, and moving forward so, as him, and it's know. so apparent that everybody else can see it too, right? Right. That's interesting. I like that. But then, yeah the the guy is 
the the Robert Blake character is the we've brought up the idea of a dark passenger or whatever sure. is kind of him him all of his conscience and all of that shit mm-hmm. that it the he's the embodiment of ta- to- toxic masculinity. He's the one guiding the ship and telling him <clears throat> he's the one telling him everything to do and all that stuff. And he's the reason he splinters off and becomes a different person. Can you dig more into um, Bill Pullman as being the embodiment of, or I'm sorry, you said the video camp, the Robert Blake. We'll just call him Robert because I don't okay. know if he ever gets a character name. Um, but but earlier said Bill Pullman is toxic masculinity symbolizes toxic masculinity, didn't you? Yeah. But you think Robert Blake is and the it's, aspect of his personality that, that is that is his toxic is his toxic masculinity his drive the driving force that's telling him to to feel the awful and and react the way he does if that makes sense because you look very confused. No, I am very confused. That's correct. Um, so I guess I'm trying to so I'm trying to think I'm, I'm picturing that first scene where they interact that he sees him in a party mm-hmm. he walks up and he says a couple cryptic things and, and then he says yeah. the thing about I'm at home right now uh-huh. I hands him the phone he talks to him can you help me understand is that and is I, do you see toxic masculinity I there? Don't, not necessarily I think that's him acknowledging. That part of him? That that part that's in him. And he's realizing this dark passenger is with me, and he's the one who's like... I like I just kind of came up with that idea now, but mm-hmm. like when you get to the later parts of him kind of controlling things, and he's the one who brings her around, um, I just... Like, he's, he's the voice in the back of his head yapping at him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The whole time. And the way he reacts to everything is... From a point of misogyny and toxic masculinity, why not just equate those things? Sure. The, the, the driving force that's making him do th- these things end up being, he's kind of just a representation of, uh, again, well, I'll go back to Twin Peaks and call it the evil that men do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that whole concept or that whole idea of yeah. it. But like, because he, you know... She, He's with his wife, and he's like, oh, well, I got that show to do. I'm going out to my show. She's like, I can't go to your show. I'm going to stay home and read. And he's right up in her face with, like, you're going to read? You're reading. What are you going to read? Like, Uh also, she's dressed to the nines. Right. To sit at home and read. Could mean, A, she's dressed up that way because he probably thinks she should. Mm -hmm. Even when she's home and wears heels and stuff to get the newspaper. Uh. Um, but then when he tries to call her from the club and nobody answers, she went out. Mm-hmm. Is she, I, and I, she's fucking around on him. Mm-hmm. So he gets filled with rage and that's why he inevitably kills her mm-hmm. is all because of just stupid fucking jealousy shit. Uh-huh. Even though he's shitty. Okay. Got um okay so um so this is the day after or no, excuse me the same day it sounds like uh that fred and renee see that vhs tape of just the outside of their house mm-hmm. um they have sex um or ish mm-hmm. 
Uh, Fred tells her he had a dream about someone resembling her being attacked, and then he sees Renee's face as that of a pale old man. Um, the days pass. More tapes arrive. They show shots of them asleep in their and bed. And that's, that's where I think he got created. That moment is where I think the Robert Blake character gets created in his mind. Oh, I see. Is, so is he's so overcome with like... Protective you know, instincts? No, it's, it's the... It's the like... It's it's the him blaming her for the fact that a he can't get it up so she's sleeping around mm-hmm. and so he's jealous and he's angry even though it's all his fault he's throwing it all at her and he created this per- this monster in his mind mm-hmm. to make that happen. Okay, okay, that makes sense to me then. I like that theory. Um, the days pass, more tapes arrive. They show shots of them asleep in their bed. Um. Fred and Renee uh, call the police. Uh, two detectives show up. They all sit together on the lowest couch in all of humanity. <laughs> um, like, it just looks so... Un- every and time somebody gets guy- up, everybody looks so uncomfortable The one doing bigger it. guy cop was like, it was hard to sit that low. And yeah. the tall guy cop had his... With his knees <laughs> by his like, ears. It felt like this, uh, there's something comical about my yeah, appearance exactly. when I'm driving in my automobile. It's the only car <laughs> that I, I could afford. afford. <laughs> like, um... <laughs> So, uh, so they, the detectives are worthless. Uh, Fred and Renee attend a party being thrown by their friend Andy. So that, but I think there's a lot that happens in that scene. First of all, there's a really good shot. Like they kind of gloss over that whole intro. And I think there's so much in that. First of all, there's an incredible shot of him where he walks around the corner Mm, when he's coming home and you see the the red drapes and he's just silhouetted gorgeous Mm. gorgeous shot um but they they call the cops and that's the way he's describing everything like all of this is like i think some of these scenes are out of order Mm. you know what i mean i think because i think when he says i had a dream um, like i like i'm still that's what I love about this movie. I have basic ideas, but I also think that like it's possible that Balthazar Getty is the main guy and Bill Pullman doesn't actually exist. You know what I mean? Like cuz they keep that guy keeps talking about like I don't know like where were you? Where were you? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know where I've been. Mm-hmm. And a woman is dead. Right. Did he kill her? Like, well, that was what I was trying to ask you when Balthazar Getty came out of the, um, of the cell and like reunited with his parents. Mm-hmm. Did and I didn't know if I wasn't paying enough attention or they didn't say it or whatever. I just missed it. But did they say, "Oh, this kid's been missing for an hour or a week or whatever," or were they just like, "Here's your kid. Come pick him up." I think that's all they showed us. Okay. But so they, we don't know if this they, kid's been missing for three years or if he, right. but nobody they, realized he was gone until the hospital they, called. Where were you the other night? There's that whole scene with Busey and he's talking. He's like, you and Sheila went out. Right. Um, and I'm, and he was covering for him and stuff basically. So like, yeah, I feel like that, like, I feel like there's a puzzle piece, piece that puts all of this completely together mm-hmm. and 
Lynch intentionally just withheld that piece. Right. Um, yeah, but I... But, like, the fact that, like, the, the Robert Blake character has the video camera at the end, like, it's how he's seeing things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's He mentions that outright of, like, right. a video camera is, you know, it's just... Like I'm, I'm fascinated by this movie, but don't have any real answers, and I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I, you know, I don't, I don't know why I shouldn't. Like, I, it feels like, I don't know, but it, it feel, it, it feels like I'm so close to understanding it, mm-hmm. and that's what I like about it. Mm-hmm. I guess. Does it feel like, you know have you ever tried to explain a dream and when you're like starting it you're like actually it was a pretty linear dream I think I kind of got what was going on and then as soon as you start telling anybody about it you're like oh I guess I went from like my parents house to my elementary school so that doesn't make sense like I mean that's kind of what it feels like to me like when I was watching I was like okay kind of like I'm connecting the dots I'm connecting like dot one to two and two to three and three to four but if you asked me to get from one to four in one jump, I'd be like, oh, oh, yeah. I'm not sure, sir. It's And that's exactly – it's like, well, okay. So he had a headache that was his mind splintering. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Balthazar getting out. That's fine. Just mm-hmm. but we'll, we'll go forward from here, but just know he's Balthazar. Yeah. You'll see this guy on screen. Just know it's actually him. Right. Or it was him at the time. Like, right. Or – Or when, no, because it, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to think things through because the timeline doesn't work right. If, so it's like maybe when he splintered and kind of became the Balthazar Getty character, that's when he used the Balthazar Getty vehicle to kill his wife. But that wouldn't make sense because when you see them split, he's already in jail for killing his wife. Mm-hmm. So like, or did this, it just, I, I want to, I want to get those pieces put in and I've, I also don't want, I want to do it myself is the other thing. I don't want to like look up an interview read, with yeah, Lynch. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Or just read some deep discussion that like explain, you know, some four and a half hour YouTube video that truly explains it all. Right. Right. I don't, exactly. I don't want that. I want to have that eureka moment where mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit. Sure. I've got an answer for this or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it might all it also might not exist. It's right. just dream logic. Right. Um okay. Uh Fred and Renee go to a party being thrown by their friend Andy, wherein Patricia Arquette is wearing a full gown <laughs> and Bill Pullman is wearing a kind of blousey button down shirt tucked into some chinos. Yep. So that was fun. Um, so all of a sudden, Fred sees this mystery man, and this and, is and the the music goes out uh-huh. as though to say you're getting pulled into out away from the party. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's one of the elements that I think indicates that it's all in his mind. Right. Then the only thing that puts a hole in that though is that at the end of that scene he says who is that guy but he says that guy in the black and there's two other dudes is who there? are wearing black okay. I, I right. clocked that immediately okay because he pointed to him while there was 
five people on the stairs. It was two yeah. women, two men, and this guy and, and our mystery man. Yeah. So I think it was just one of those like, oh, him? Who, like he was barely paying attention. He didn't sure. care. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm actually going to drop the yeah, whole mystery man yeah. audio in here. We've met before, haven't we? I don't think so. Where was it you think we met? At your house, don't you remember? No, no, I don't. Are you sure? Of course. As a matter of fact, I'm there right now. What do you mean you're where right now? At your house. That's fucking crazy, man. Call me. Dial your number. Go ahead. I told you I was here. How'd you do that? Ask me. How'd you get inside my house? You invited me. It is not my custom to go where I'm not wanted. Who are you? Hmm. <laughs> Give me back my phone. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Um, just because I think not everybody mm-hmm. who listens to this is going to have seen it, and I think it's one of the better Lynchian moments. Uh, this is likely my... I think I brought it up, too, when it came out. Like, I think this is my favorite scene in all of Lynch's work. I, it's perfectly creepy mm-hmm. perfectly bizarre really well done the it's the perfect mix of visual terror and audio the there's there's a moment in it where he toward the end of the exchange where the Robert Blake that you see starts creepy laughing also he never blinks I noticed that ne- never not only does he never blink but his eyes are wide and buggy Mm -hmm. Um, and he's wearing like it looks like face powder to like lighten up his skin and wearing black eyeliner I mm -hmm. noticed which when we see him again he doesn't have either of those he he does in other scenes but when you see him in the cabin and he's like a real person that's what I was talking about okay but but sometimes you see him in the same creepy Mm -hmm. element 
Um, and I think that's the difference when he's pale face. As I think there could be a real person that existed. Mm-hmm. And he used that person's like a image template. to create this person in his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does the exchange and toward the end of it, he creepy laughs. And, it, <laughs> and then the audio of his laugh cuts off hard mm-hmm. in a way that's not natural. Mm. And you see his face is still making laughing mm-hmm. mo- in it so that you can hear him on the other end of the phone. It's mm-hmm. like... It's like he's taking his own voice away Mm -hmm. in order to lend it to this other end of the phone. Yes. In a way that's like, okay, so there is only one. Right. Of this person. And somehow he's, it's, it's Mm -hmm. all just really, really good. Yeah. Okay. So we, so we see the mystery man. Um, He approaches Fred. He says they've met before. Uh, The man says he was at, he is at Fred's house at that very moment, answers the, um, and then he hands Bill Pullman his own cell phone, says, call, call me, mm-hmm. call your house. Um, Fred calls him. Lo and behold, he picks up the phone. It's terrible. You've listened to it already. I'm just burning through this to make sure I we love, get the plot moving. I love moving. the, that's fucking weird, man. Is that, is that what he says? Bill, Bill Pullman has a line where he goes, that's fucking weird, man. Oh yeah, 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 like, yeah. It, fucking, it, yeah, something like that. Maybe it's not weird, but it's that's fucking something, man. That's fucked up, man. No, it's it doesn't. It's, it's, no, I think it's it's fucking. I think it's weird, but it might not be weird. Um, that's fucking weird, man. I think is what he says, but he says it so like flat and like yeah. Oh, it's so good. This, it's very good because and it's so realistic of like this all is very strange. And I do not know how to exit this situation. So so I'm just going to say it's weird and moonwalk home. Um, So uh, Fred learns from Andy that the man is a friend of, uh, how did you, Dick Laurent or Laurent? Dick Laurent. Laurent. Uh, uh, Dick Laurent, who is our, the first person we hear about, he's dead. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, this is the moment where, it is, I, I would question whether there was a man standing there. Sure. There was just two other that's dudes fair. in black. Yeah, that's a, that's a, yeah. Um, so terrified Fred. And if that guy isn't there at all, there's even less dudes in black standing there for the other guy to see. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, Keyword. Mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs> uh, terrified Fred leaves the party with Renee. Uh, the next morning, another tapes arrive. and it, it, This seems like a good time since we just talked about his character. Um to throw out an interesting thing. Um, after this movie came out, this came out in 97, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, somewhere around 2000, so a few, year, few years after, uh, Robert Blake was brought up on charges for murdering his wife. No. Was later acquitted. I don't, I've never looked deeply into the story to find out if that was like a bullshit acquittal or if it, it you know, it, it was just a false accusation or whatever. But like the man who, in my mind, represents the part of Fred that murdered his wife, mm-hmm. the puppet master, the guy pulling those strings, was brought up on charges shortly after. For murdering his wife is a wild thing to think about. Yeah. 
Wow. I've just never... Yep. Like, now that I read that... Because he was a working actor. He did some TV in, in like, the 70s. Um, Robert Blake is, is, you know, was noteworthy. Sure. He was a child star. He was yeah. a... Um, what's it called? Um, yeah, this was always what I knew him from, but yeah. What is the thing? The Little Rascals. He was a Little Rascal. Oh, was he? Mm-hmm. Who was he? Uh, I don't know. I'm looking up another thing right now. Okay. Um, yeah. So he was brought up on charges for shooting and killing his wife and was later acquitted, I think, in 2001 or two, something like that. It was like, it was all within like five or six years of this movie's release. Right. Okay. I'm going to. Maybe 2004. I think my maybe favorite murder might have done an episode about that. So, oh, yeah? So, if so, maybe we'll listen to it on our on our road trip. Interesting. Um, so, yeah. That's the an, an interesting thing wild. that adds just this, this layer of... Because it's also... There's a lot of shit about... I don't want to call it voyeurism because it's not really voyeurism. But they're... The a they, there's a lot of eye close-ups. There's a lot on what you're seeing and is what you're seeing to be believed. There's there's a great moment when they're sitting on the couch. It's relatively early, and Renee says something about where somebody says where is it or something like that. And she's I don't remember the setup exactly, but she says like oh it's right here down there whatever. It's, yeah, right by the observatory. And that's like on her, they're close up on her mouth where she says it's by the observatory and then it tilts up to her eyes. Mm -hmm. Just like calling out observation and then showing your eyes. And then it's constantly during their creepy weird sex scenes is like they're close up to their eyes. Like there's several things that are about like what you're seeing and should it be believed and what we're putting on camera for you. Can you believe that? Are you, he, you know, Fred is an observer of his wife. Then there's somebody observing him via the camera and you're observing them. And all, and what's real, the real world or this. And then this man potentially murdered his wife in real life also. Mm -hmm. Like what? Yeah. Like it just adds to that. Like, Creepy. What am I watching? Right. And am I fucking part of it? Right, right. Thing. Because right. the viewer is always a character in Lynch's work. Mm-hmm. He subtly finds ways to bring you in that well without breaking like the fourth wall and sure. like talking straight to camera or something. Sure. But there are moments that are to camera in this where they talk directly to camera, but they're not talking to the audience. Uh-huh. It's just a POV down of the it's, other person. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's, there's, Lynch shifts gears for this movie and gets into the weird shit that he wants to do, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I like it. <laughs> uh, so the next morning, another tape arrives and Fred watches it alone. Um, and to his horror, it shows him hovering over Renee's dismembered body. And then this the coolest smash cut of him reeling from seeing this video of him very mm-hmm. obviously either having just murdered his wife or having discovered her discovered her, her and then rolled around her blood a little bit 
Um, but it's just like a smash cut to him just getting punched in the face by the detective. Yeah. Which I don't condone police violence, but it made a cool smash cut. And it's like, fuck you, killer, or something like yeah, that. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, so he's ultimately sentenced to death for her murder. And I really liked how Bill Pullman played this. He of, even says in that exchange, like, don't tell me I killed her. Like, he needs someone to, ju- like, you're telling, you're creating the narrative here. Don't make that the narrative. Oh, you know what I, I mean? Like, it's an interest. I saw that in a completely different way. I, th- I so? saw it as very much like, don't tell me I killed her. Like, of, oh my God, is this thing true? Please don't tell me, tell me this thing isn't true that I know to be true. Oh, yeah. I Because I think he was in a fugue state when that happened. I think so too, but I think he remembers seeing that video. Yeah. And that is the thing. And that that's he, why he went to the, I think that's the thing too. Is that he went he, to the cops. He went to the cops to be like, this showed up today. I yeah. don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah. And I they immediately right. brought him on it. Right. And it's, yeah. Um. So he's sentenced to death for her murder. The whole time he, and we only see little clips and little um, kind of, glimpses of what happens to him but the whole time he seems mm-hmm. very resigned to his fate he doesn't seem like he's trying to argue his way out of anything it seems like he's very much accepted it and does not think he deserves like thinks he deserves everything that they're giving him was my read on it of if if i really did kill this person yeah 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 100 percent death row hmm. but yeah, that, i don't know i never really thought about his reaction yeah to it but it's it's clearly troubling for him because it splinters his psyche. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's kind of why I think. You um, think what? Well, what I just said of like he is so horrified by his own actions. Oh, oh that oh. he he I, what I think is he does not remember doing that at all. However, he has accepted that he's done Knows it that he did, and and thinks he deserves the punishment. And okay. I think that's part of. What like the part of him that was capable of killing his wife probably splintered out of mm-hmm. his the part of him that loved his own loved his wife and mm-hmm. would never knowingly harm her. Um. So while he's on death row, he's plagued with headaches and visions of this mystery man, um, and of a burning cabin in the desert, which is a really cool backwards. Yeah, that backwards burn is a very very cool shot. Uh, during a cell check, uh, the prison guard, uh, so he's in like full on solitary confinement, like in a tiny little dark room. And in the morning they're doing, um, uh, I was going to say cell check, I was going to say wellness check. I don't think they care if they're well. Um, the prison guard. (laughs) Who's the guy from Lebowski who does, I, 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 I'm, I'm performing a new part in my cycle. I was hoping you'd come and give me notes. The, oh, the, yeah. the landlord or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just the same guy. Um, and he just kind of like, I don't remember exactly what he says, but he it's sort of like a what the fuck thing. Yeah. Closes the door, gets his sergeant or whomever, gets his superior officer, and and he brings him back to the cell to the cell, opens the door, and we see sort of a three quarters away from camera. Somebody who doesn't look like Bill well, Pullman. Well, there's the exchange first that I love before you see what's in there. Because you don't, because you just see him react to something. And you're like, and is, he, is he not there? Is he sick? Is he injured? Did he, you don't know what the reaction is. So they bring in the captain and the captain comes and he's like, and so that, and that's not Fred. You yeah. said that's not Fred. Yeah. Yeah. That's not him. Yeah. You sure. 
You, yeah. You, you brought, he's, we brought it. Man, yeah. some scary, something scary, real creepy is going on here, man, or whatever. Like, no, yeah, but like a... the exchange of like, I, you said there's a person in here. Mm-hmm. I see a person in there. Mm-hmm. You're telling me it's not the same person. Mm-hmm. That it should be the right person. Like, it's, it's just a great. There's some spooky get, shit going on. Let me get on my here. bearings on. Yeah, yeah it was spooky shit going on or whatever it is they say. Yeah, it's just a great exchange before they actually open the door. Uh, and so the man who is in Fred's cell what once was fred cell is named pete pete dayton he's in his early 20s he's an auto mechanic um he's released into the care of his parents and this is what i was we were talking about before of like unclear if pete had been missing for any amount of time Mm -hmm. or if nobody realized he was gone until the cops called and Mm -hmm. said we have your son we don't know what i could but they do treat him like some shit went down with you kid like clearly something was up and he had a record you know yeah. But he shouldn't have been there. But like then I couldn't tell is he wearing prison a prison jumpsuit or is he wearing his garage coveralls? I think he's wearing his garage coveralls, but oh I don't know. I, I they don't probably know. are intentionally very yeah, similar. That's what I mean. And which like, is a, I don't know that you ever see the front, so you don't see either a number or a name. Mm-hmm. You just see kind of a jumpsuit yeah, and you don't think about it. Right. Also he's got like a hole in the in his head. Mm-hmm. What, which, what is that? Well, at one point they said something about you got shot in the back of the head, which I was like, oh, that's the thing. But it was it looked like a shot f- from head on because yeah, the bullet hole in his forehead was pretty small. Isn't a did, bu- I don't think it's a bullet hole, is it? That, that's just what I assumed it was. I don't know when I see a round wound yeah, in I, your it's head. Just, there's a limited number of things that can make a hole in your skull. Yeah, I, it's interesting. But I is it just somehow like... I, yeah, I don't know. Um, so although Pete is released um, into the care of his parents, he is still followed by two detectives who are trying to find more about him. Those um, are the closest thing to silliness we get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these two guys. Yeah. Uh, the next day, Pete returns to work at the garage where um, Mr. Eddie, who's a gangster, asks him to fix his car. Um, he takes Pete for a drive and... Um, and he does a thing where... Yeah, he could hear what was wrong with the car. Yeah, they stopped, and luckily it was just two quick bolts to yeah, tighten, and, and, and it, it was And fixed. it has the one yeah, fixed-sized fixed wrench. Yeah. So it's not It's not even like, oh, I brought one adjustable mm-hmm. wrench, so mm-hmm. I can... Whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And he just happens to know the right one, fixes There's only it real, one thing that bing, goes bang, wrong boom, with cars. Everybody yeah. knows it. Um, and then a scene that, for me, started to be pretty fucking horrifying... And then ended with me being like, huh. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, so um, so they're driving. So he's driving, what, a Mercedes or a Cadillac or something uh, like it, This uh, This one end. I think was the Mercedes. And then the one he brings in the next day is a Cadillac. So somebody's tailgating behind him. Um, like a on Thunderbird. Yeah. And it's on like the roads outside where the Hollywood side yeah, are. Yeah. Um, so like, what's that? It um, might be Mulholland, actually. Oh, Oh, maybe. But it seems to be like a winding kind of smaller road, so I don't think it's a main a main drag. Mm-hmm. Isn't Mulholland? I don't, I mean, I, but yeah, like that's like Mulholland and like Sepulveda and like, yeah, no, it, I'm not, I'm not from that area, so I'm, this is all based on movies that I've seen. No, it looks like it was filmed around, um, there's a really famous hiking trail that has that kind of same view of the sure. Hollywood sign that they have, yeah. so it's just like somewhere, yeah, whatever. Anyway, there's a great um, helicopter shot in there too, which like 
David Lynch using a helicopter? Yeah. That's weird, but there's like a great helicopter shot where you see the, the car coming up behind him around mm-hmm. the bend and stuff. It's really cool. Uh, and so it's this windy two-lane uh, two road. Uh, this guy is tailgating him until Mr. Eddie pulls over, waves him by, and the guy, as he's passing him, slows down his car, flicks Mr. Eddie off, and drives away. And Mr. Eddie's like, well, mm-hmm. that man challenged my masculinity. I'm going to fucking try to murder him. But then it's also like... I just hate it. Just why do you have to be an asshole? Why do you got to like, cause the guy was a fucking prick. Yeah. No, the like, guy was in the wrong. Right. But like, yeah, but it's just an interesting, like, but yeah, it ends. It starts with like this horrifying, he pulls out a, an excessively big handgun and goes after this guy yeah. in this really aggressive way. And it ends with this like morality speech of like, you can't tailgate. 50,000 people die on highways each year because yeah. of assholes like you. And he's just trying to make the road safer. I, I, it's interesting because I, like, I feel like there's a moment where he he gives him that chance. Because he he's, sees him and he's like, ah, oh, this guy. And then he waves him on. Mm-hmm. And then the guy flips and then the guy flips him off. And that's what. Is that that? Right. But like it's I don't think he ever had any intention of doing anything to this guy until the guy flipped him off. Oh, yeah. Okay, I didn't... When did you said that? Yeah, so you flipped him off, and then he did this whole, like, you challenged my masculinity, and I'm going to... Oh, I, I didn't... Okay, I didn't realize that, like, because I... Like, I he was genuinely just going to let him pass, it felt like. I didn't feel like that yeah. was... Yeah, okay. Um, So he kind of beats the shit out of this guy, Um, and then the next... <laughs> kind of? Kind of, fully. Um, The guy's we- sobbing in a mm-hmm. horrible way. Um, so the next day, Mr. Eddie returns to the There's gr- also a great comedic moment in there, too, of, like, as soon as the guy flips him off, Eddie rolls up the window, and the two giant guys who are, who are sitting in the back, like, in not, no one's sitting in the middle seat, but they're basically shoulder, shoulder to shoulder, shoulder because they're just big, broad-shouldered dudes, and they both look back and, like, in unison pull on their seatbelts. Uh-huh, that was like, really funny. Like, shit's about funny. to go down. Is actually, that's a good, kind of a good bit. Very I liked funny. It. Um, so the next day, Mr. Eddie returns to the garage. He's got his mistress, Alice Wakefield, with his Cadillac for Pete to repair. Now, Alice looks familiar. This, yeah, and this is, this is straight up Vertigo. Mm, this is, yes. This is. I completely missed that oh, Vertigo which, reference. Holy which, shit. Which is, this, 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 this is a reference to Twin Peaks, which was a reference to Vertigo. This is Laura Palmer, Maddie mm-hmm. Ferguson. This is, um. Um, Kim Novak in in Vertigo. This right. is that absolutely. Even this is every yeah. cousin on a '90s sitcom who comes into town, and it's just yeah, the actress is, in a yeah, brunette the Brunette Patty Duke show or whatever. Like Patty Duke show. The with the cu- their cousins, identical cousins. Oh, oh. how old are you? <laughs> Isn't I mean, that a show was, from the that, '40s? The difference is when I. <laughs> The shows you watched on Nick at Night were the shows that I watched live. You watched a lot of I Love Lucy and Bewitched. Okay, then maybe maybe not. But Nick at Night, a year or two after that, became like Full House and shit like that. No, I know, but I've still I've never heard of that. Nick at Night was like, yeah, it was it was all fifties TV shows and shit like that. Yeah, I I know. I've just never heard of the. It's called the Patty Duke Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never heard of it, and I watched a ton of Nick at Night. Hmm. Anyway. Um, um, so yeah. Alice then returns to the garage alone, invites Pete out to dinner. Um, that, and that's another 
she's the building behind her is lit in such a way that it's very green, which is almost like that beautiful shot from the end of Vertigo where he sees her again and like the light from the the neon sign outside is 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 coming in and she's just got this this beautiful woman popped out in front of this giant green background it's mm, really beautiful. it's just yeah this again is just another very much a reference to to vertigo which he you know we all know lynch loves mm-hmm. so pete and alice begin an affair and she's afraid that mr eddie suspects them so she comes up with the scheme um to rob her from friend andy and leave town um so Alice reveals to Pete that Mr. Eddie is actually an amateur porn producer named Dick Laurent. Laurent, Laurent. Um, Pete gets a phone call from Mr. Eddie and the mystery man, which frightens Pete so much that he decides to go along with Alice's plan. Uh, Pete ambushes Annie, accidentally kills him, um, before he notices a photograph showing Alice and Renee together. Later, when the police are at the house investigating Andy's death, Alice is inexplicably missing from the photo. Whew. Mm-hmm. That was 45 minutes of movie right there. Yeah. I was kind of waiting for you to interrupt I, well, me. I, you were reading very fast and just kept going, so I didn't want to jump in. But I didn't know how. I It kept reading like you were getting to an ending point, and then it just kept going. And all of a sudden, we were 45 minutes later. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't even know what do you want me to, to say. Do you want to scrap that and do that again? No, that's fine. I just – I they – I'm surprised that whatever you're reading glossed over so much movie. Wikipedia. Um, yeah, that's fine. Um, yeah, this and this is where, like, it starts taking, like, this is just yet another, all of this breaks into, so you've got, okay, you've got this movie and you think you understand it and it's this man and did he murder his wife? Maybe he did, but he doesn't remember. He goes to prison and then, Wait a sec. All of a sudden, it's this other fucking guy now. Mm-hmm. And then now, wait a minute. Now the wife is back, maybe, but she has a different hair color. Mm-hmm. Is it the same person? Is this different name? A go- like, is this a vertigo situation? And then, and then we see Andy, the guy she's talking about. Andy is a guy we've met, so we know they have a connection. Mm-hmm. And then, so it just keeps shifting gears to the point where you're like, you realize you don't ever, you've never had a. You're a, a strong footing on what's happening. Mm-hmm. The the whole ground is shaky, and it makes you question, you know, all of it. Mm-hmm. Who's real? Who's not real? Mm-hmm. Who's a dream? Yeah, it was, is a, it a dream? Is it half dream, half reality? Exactly. And if so which is which? Yeah. Um. And it, like, and it shifts to becoming kind of her story rather than his story mm-hmm. via the other his. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you st- you know, who is she? Alice Wakefield? Like, come it's on. It's a really generic name. And it's... Alice is likely an Alice in Wonderland reference. Mm-hmm. We're in a strange world now. Sure. Wakefield kind of feels like, oh, it's all this chaos left in, in his wake. Right. Or the field of her wake. You know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. just kind of a name that sounds like a real name, but is, you know, referencing the the, the, the mess left behind and all this shit. Okay. Um, it makes the whole thing, like, seem fake. Who is she? Is she real? Is he dreaming about this woman? I, 
I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't either. I, okay. Um, okay, so we get to Pete and Allison going to this empty cabin. So we've seen, is this the same cabin we've seen before? Yeah, the, the, the one that the he's... The kind of elevated one? He saw this right before, in, in, in the cell, like before the splinter becoming a new person. He saw this location. Okay. Oh, this is when we saw it like reversed. Yeah, this is the the, the burning the backwards mm-hmm. burning cabin. And it's explodes basically. Right. Un, and then unexplodes is what we ever see. So we never see how it exploded. No, which I thought that was gonna be our I, conclusion. Yeah. I I think this is just a metaphor for his mind. Mm, sure. That and makes it's, sense. It's so he's he, he's inviting her into yeah, and and the guy already lives there. He's there, mm. um, and then it, at a certain point, it it just destroy blows up, destroys itself. Mm-hmm. But it's all going backwards because it's him trying to piece things back together. Mm-hmm. Um, Find out how we got here. Yeah, what happened? How did we get here? And it's then there's like, and then he and this could be, you know, this could represent what you were talking about about him realizing what happened and and willing to pay the price for it because they get there they have that beautifully done sex scene which if it were reality is gross as fuck just being like in the dirt and whatever yes yes Um, but yeah but it looks but the headlights and everything's super washed Mm -hmm. out and overexposed yeah it's really beautiful it's manages to to simultaneously be overexposed and then have everything that isn't them jet black. Yeah, yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's really Just beautiful. Very well done. Um, but it feels like them, this is the only time you see her making love mm-hmm. and feeling a genuine connection and she's enjoying it and isn't being fucked, mm-hmm. isn't being forced to fuck, mm-hmm. isn't. Have, you know she doesn't have his limp dick on top of her right, you know what I right. mean there's an actual connection here and I think that's the moment of love that he finally connects himself to her mm-hmm. and then she drops the fucking bombshell of you'll never have me and he, right. it's it's him realizing you're right I've, I'm not good enough for this mm-hmm. and, and whatever um and then she walks into that thing and disappears. Yeah. I don't know. It's. <sighs> yeah, I mean. I Like, you're right. This is a, it's, this is a movie that I feel like I'm following while I watch it. And as soon as I try to explain it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Right. It's wild. Mm-hmm. But it, but it, it's, you can tell that it knows the sense. Like oh, I feel like I'm watching a coherent movie. Yeah, they they if you could if you were if you had someone who was willing to answer questions, mm-hmm. you could ask them any question and be like, oh, it's this, this, and this, mm-hmm. or it's oh, it's over here. It's it's because of this. Oh, well, that happened because this happened. Right. He's not someone who's ever going to do that. Right. But the answers are there. Hmm. I don't know. Um. So I just I feel. In- incredibly rambly in this whole podcast and I doesn't I feel like I 
am not putting anything out that is like even worth listening to. No, I don't think that's true. I mean, I, I think it's it's the same. Like I rewatched Synecdoche, New York, the other night, and like it's the exact same thing. Of like, I really enjoy every moment I'm watching it. But if you asked me how to explain it to somebody, yeah. I couldn't do it. And I think there, I, I think it is like. It's as if, like, you're looking at a Jackson Pollock and expecting it to be a Rembrandt. They're never going to be the same thing. They're different forms of art. This is yeah. not a linear story that he's trying to tell. He's trying to be evocative. And not evocative of, of like, I'm going to use the N-word a bunch. Evocative in he's trying to evoke emotions from you. Mm-hmm. And whether those are, like, arousal or fear or curiosity or whatever, he is using his art form to do that. Yeah. And I think that is part and parcel to why you are having trouble and I'm having trouble putting together a coherent I, thought to explain the movie or explain how it made us feel because it's you yeah I can't explain like oh it kind of gave me a pit in this in my stomach but made me a little bit lightheaded yeah, and like yeah. I guess that's what confusion feels like <laughs> I don't know I I'm curious about because I've always known there's there's a there's a great David Lynch quote about um, life doesn't make sense why should art Sure. Um, and I've never questioned where or when that came about, mm-hmm. what the context was for him saying it. It's just a quote I know that's attributed to him. Mm-hmm. Could you say it again? Uh, life, life doesn't make sense. Why should art? Yeah. Okay. And I'm, I have a strong feeling it was probably in press for this. Mm-hmm. Like, this doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, Life doesn't make sense. Yeah, of course it doesn't you know, make that's sense. that's his reaction to it. And mm-hmm. I think this feels like a moment a, a this this almost feels like a counter to Twin Peaks. Cuz it's his first feature post Twin Peaks. Okay. While at Heart was during. Mm-hmm. Um and it feels like a, a thing of like Twin Peaks, he had this grandiose idea of the things that he wanted to do. And then it was like, no, you have to solve it. You have to end this mystery. You have to give us answers and all this stuff. And he was like, no, fuck you. I'm going to make something that doesn't make any goddamn sense to anybody. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ju- I'm just going to make something. Like, and it almost feels like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, this, this whole movie almost feels spiteful. You think? Yeah. It, like, there's, it's... Not spiteful to the audience, but like, like, like it feels like there were moments where he could have given you a little bit more for this to make more sense for some people, mm-hmm. but was intentionally withholding and mm-hmm. said the people who are going to get this are going to are still going to enjoy it and they're going to get it and they'll mm-hmm. appreciate it. I don't need to give you every fucking piece. Sure, That's and fair. I think that was. Almost a direct. It feels to me like mm-hmm. that was a, like a direct reaction to mm-hmm. Twin Peaks. Sure. Um. Okay. So all of a sudden, Pete turns back into Fred. So Bill Pullman is back. Yep. Uh, he begins searching the cabin, and he sees the mystery man, um, who begins filming and chasing him with the video camera. So this is when we see him, Terrifying. and he doesn't. Lo- he doesn't have that. Stark white face anymore, right? Well, both, because he he when he gets up and he's shirtless, and he looks back into the car, and sitting in the back seat of the car is Robert Blake, mm-hmm. pale faced. Mm. 
And then and then and then you cut back to see Bill Pullman looking into the car, and mm-hmm. then you cut back to the car, and he's gone. Pans over, and he's like, "I'm in here." Yeah. And then he doesn't. Interesting. Okay. Um. So yeah, so he pulls up this camera. And he starts chasing him around. It's really creepy. That camera's fucking weird, too. Yeah. Like, okay, is it a weird camera, it, or is it just, like, it looks a model like, I don't recognize because I'm younger than you? It looks like a, like, rooftop security camera turned sideways, and then the hook part that is normally the mount yeah. to where it would be, they replaced yeah. with a viewfinder. That's what it looks like. Don't Do you think know it was if it even is. A real, no, it was probably just Jerry rigged on there. I don't like it's interesting. I obviously, I mean, by the late nineties, cameras existed. Nineteen ninety seven, I would have been uh, twelve, and like cameras were big then, but they were they yeah. did not look like that. You were already getting into like you, the I had high a eight youth, cameras yeah. and things like that. Like this is. Bizarre, and it doesn't even have like a handle. He's just holding it. Yeah, by he's the, just holding the box. The box on the That's side. That's not. I it mean, looks. It looks to me like a security camera. I think you're right. Turned sideways, and then they put a viewfinder on where the mount. Which have been. tracks because the quality of the film that he always oh, looks takes like, yeah, cons- always looks security exactly like security shit. camera. So yeah. I think you're 100 percent right. Um, Fred escapes and he drives to the Lost Highway Hotel, where he finds Mr. Eddie and Renee having sex. Um. Renee leaves. Uh, Fred kidnaps Mr. Eddie, slits his throat in a truly upsetting mm-hmm. scene. But then what's wild is that he slits his throat and it separates, but then he still has time to like monologue and shit. Because he, the way it doesn't, like when you slit somebody's throat, the idea is you're getting their carotid artery mm-hmm. and their windpipe. But it it didn't look like he made it through the cartilage. It looked like he just slit like the skin of his throat. Like as if he was about to get surgery uh. on his esophagus. Like he just yeah, cut through the skin it's and like maybe the fat or whatever tissue. That like, because he pulls him out of the trunk, because <laughs> he pistol whips him at the hotel. Yeah, throws him in the the back seat. Also, this hotel room is these are the same doors that we saw earlier when the dude went upstairs of what we thought was Andy's house, and he opens the door and he sees Renee in there. And it's super weird. Like, uh-huh. now we have context for where that was. Mm. Um, but he, yeah, so he jumps out of the trunk. He gets him, he jumps out of the trunk, tackles him. And that's the creepiest part is that he's, is Bill Pullman's scrambling around while Robert Loja's attacking him. And he throws his hand out. And you see a hand from off camera mm-hmm. put a knife in it. Mm-hmm. And you get a few minutes of like, who the fuck was that? Yeah. Where did that come from? Yeah. And then you don't realize until Robert Lurge's throat's cut, he's laying on the ground, and standing over him is Bill Pullman and mm-hmm. Mystery Man. Mm-hmm. And then later, Mystery Man is not there, and Bill Pullman's holding the gun. So it's another piece of evidence that... Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Do you have other, I, I can't tell no, if you're I, I'm collecting just, your I'm, thoughts or just silence. I'm trying to piece things to. I love this movie. I genuinely do, and I didn't realize how much, how little I know about it. 
I mean, it's not about knowing about it. It's about, like, there's so many disparate... I think there is a reason that I personally have a problem remembering the plots of almost any David Lynch thing besides Elephant Man is because he tells way... He tells stories in a... Even if it's Mm -hmm. linear, it's not traditionally narrative somehow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that is why, I, to me, it's like I, I've said a million times, like I'm Orlando Charlie Kaufman, and I've probably watched, I'm thinking of ending things a million times, you know, probably three or four times. But like when I watch it, I still notice new things every time. And if I tried to explain it to you right now, it'd be like a guy drives to a farmhouse, has dinner with his parents, and drives home with his girlfriend. But you've seen the movie. It's more than that, but yeah. not much action happens it's yeah. just people being weird and like but being the, the wrong age all the time the difference too is that like i get that okay he drives into the thing and has this weird dream dreamlike experience nothing really happens but things happen you can explain a movie like i'm thinking of and things like that this movie like so much happens and there's like double crosses mm-hmm. and like it, that's what's so fascinating is that it isn't just weird dreamlike spaces. Mm-hmm. Things happen mm-hmm. that cause other things to happen. There's cause and effect after cause and effect. Mm-hmm. And somehow it still isn't linear. Mm-hmm. It's bizarre. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> Okay, so um, the mystery man shoots Mr. Eddie dead and then whispered something to Fred before he disappears. Fred drives to his old house, buzzes the intercom, and says... Which is a very Twin Peaks, again, mm-hmm. with the ear whisper, we don't know what they say. Mm-hmm. Um, Dick Laurent is dead, and the two de- detectives drive up to the house. Fred runs back to his car and drives off with the detectives in pursuit. The chase continues into the night with Fred screaming helplessly as the car speeds down the darkened highway. That's the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. The perfectly linear movie mm-hmm. that is, makes so much sense to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be yeah. I'd be interested to hear though if anyone has any, you know, pieces to put together. Like I don't. I don't necessarily want to read a full. You know. Synop like someone's entire breakdown of beat by beat what everything means but like if anyone has any like tips or teasers that are like you were onto something with this because i want to figure things out on my own but Mm -hmm. i just am missing something Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah i i mean i don't know either i and i it's funny because i don't feel a an urge to find out what it means i i just took it very much as i do i do more and more every time i see it interesting I, because I feel like I'm closer, but I also don't feel like I learned anything new. Mm. You know what I mean? It's interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know. All right. Well, with that, I think we are going to uh, to let you go. We're filming this. We're filming this. We're recording this on July 25th, so it's very early because we're going out of town next week. Yeah. But um, so hopefully nothing weird happened between now and then. It's not like a current events podcast. I know, but still. (laughs) Okay, anyway, uh, we will talk to you all in a couple weeks. Goodbye. 
Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.